Hi and welcome back. I am so excited to continue on. Okay, so we are reading James Patterson's Sunday at Tiffany's. Part 2. 23 years older, but not necessarily that much smarter. Elise McCannon looked as pale as the froth on a latte, panic-stricken and possibly close to a fatal stroke. So Wells was new. After all, Elise had been the dragon-like receptionist at my mother's production company, VMR Productions, for 28 long and stressful years, and here she was, still breathing, if not exactly breathing fire anymore. Oh, thank God you're finally here, Jane, she said, really flooding her voice. It's barely 10 o'clock. I don't know what's wrong, but Vivian's been out here a hundred times asking about you. Well, tell her I'm here now. But Elise wouldn't have to. I could already hear Vivian's stiletto heels clicking down the corridor. Where have you been, Jane, sweetie? It's practically noon, she asked. A split second before she actually came into view. It's ten o'clock, I said again. And where have you been, she said. Then kiss me on the cheek. As she always did. My morning kiss. Actually... I had been in my apartment drinking coffee and watching Matt Laura interview a woman on how to organize an out-of-control garage. By the way, extensive use of pegboards is the answer. I headed down the hall and into my office with Vivian following me. I hope that paper bag you're carrying does not hold a flattened blueberry muffin. No, it does not, answer truthfully. The bag held a fattening maple walnut donut glazed. I sat down at my desk and began going through a one-inch stack of phone messages. A lot were from agents and therefore lies. One was from my personal shopper at Saks, Vivian's idea, more lies. Five messages remarked your mother. One was from Hugh McGrath, my uh, boyfriend, the light of my life and the bane of my existence, all wrapped in one hot, charming package. The next message was from a, my dermatologist returning my call. The only significant message was from Carl Friedkin. It was actually it actually was important. He was a wealthy real estate developer and he was very interested in investing in my movie project. Three years ago, my mother had allowed me to produce a play all on my own. I cast a two at a cast of two, an eight-year-old girl and a 35-year-old man. It is two sets. The Astor Court of the St. Regis Hotel and a Manhattan apartment. I was pretty sure that Vivian had thought it would be so cheap to produce that when it flopped, it wouldn't be a huge loss. The play was called Thank Heaven. And it was based not at all loosely on my long-ago relationship with Michael, my imaginary friend. Maybe producing this play had been my way of trying not to forget Michael. Maybe it was just an adorable idea for a play. To both Vivian and my astonishment, Thank Heaven had been a hit. A smash hit, actually, and a Tony winner. Audiences loved the story of the chubby little girl and her handsome imaginary friend. When Michael finally left her, you could hear the audience sobbing. Often enough, I had been one of them... A blow-up of a quote from Ben Browning in the New York Times hung over my desk. 
Call me a sentimental fool, or much worse if you like, but thank heaven is irresistible. Like life at its best, it is the perfect combination of charm, tears, and laughter. Of course, thank heaven wouldn't bring Michael back, but it had brought Hugh McGrath into my life. Hugh had played Michael, and then he became my real-life boyfriend. When I told Vivian that I wanted to produce a movie of Thank Heaven, she said that's not a terrible idea, but you'll never be able to do it on your own. Jane, sweetie, you'll definitely need my help. Fortunately for you, I don't have much on my plate right now. The plan was to raise half the production money ourselves, then ask a Hollywood studio for the rest. Vivian has said that she'd match whatever Carl Fred can came up with. I'm breaking the cardinal rule of production. Never invest in your invest your own money, Vivian has said. But after all, your family, Jane, sweetie. Ah, uh, she remembered. End of chapter eight.